Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Today, we have a panelist, Dr. Delon Canterbury, a board-certified geriatric pharmacist who focuses on the special needs of older patients. Uh, Today, he's going to be talking about precision medicine, but Dr. Canterbury has a uh, a long history of dealing with uh, pharmaceutical issues. His extensive background ranges from community pharmacy, specialty pharmacy, to senior care consulting. Dr. Canterbury is being trained as a Medicare and Medicaid specialist through the Seniors Health Insurance Information Program, also known as SHIP, and is a member of Dorham, North Carolina's African-American COVID Task Force. When does this man sleep? Hey, how's it going, Dr. DeLeon? <laughs> Dr. Camp- hey, Canterbury, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, that's a good question, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing so good. I uh, really appreciate you having me back on the show, man. How's your end? Oh, great, great, great. <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're trying to swim through the COVID mess, but we're, 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 yeah. we're still yeah. above water so far. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. It's just, just doing the same. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, so tell us something about this, this precision medicine and why it's so yeah. important, especially for the geriatric population. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so precision medicine, it's it's really just amazing. It's groundbreaking in how this will be the future of all healthcare. <laughs> and what it's doing is just by how it works, it's basically taking away some of those healthcare uh, disparities and barriers that we see when it comes to some of our patients. And the reason is, instead of just using the usual one-size-fits-all approach that we have right now for medications, we're able to look at people's bodies first and see what how their bodies would do if we were to give them a medication without them taking a single pill. So this is the beauty of precision medicine. We're getting your body's info first before we give you medication, and that can prevent side effects. It can prevent unnecessary harm. It can really lead to better inc- better optimization of drug regimens, which, as you know, is the backbone of healthcare is taking some type of medication. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really something that's been around for about 20 years. But President Obama actually started a precision medicine initiative back in 2015. Mm-hmm. And the entire purpose is to improve those health disparities. It's also to improve better health care with less costs incurred because we're preventing unnecessary harm. So it's really fascinating work. Oh, fantastic, yeah. And and you have some people who uh, go from one doctor to another and they don't drop off the prescriptions they've had before. So you get this, uh, you know, poly what they call polypharmacy kind of thing going on. Um, yeah. And people, you know, may take their... Uh, friends' medications as well, or their relatives, uh, which they should not be doing, but uh, that that occurs right. too. But also, the prescribers sometimes don't uh, have the insight into seeing all the different, you know, uh, potential side effects. Uh, so mm-hmm. your service is really important. I mean, this can actually help people from um, actually dying, or. Um, yeah. or feeling ill, which is even worse. Because right. we, we have the mortality, but then the morbidity, how, how much suffering do you go through with your condition? 
facts. Yeah, completely correct. And it's it's so true. I mean, we have I had a patient, honestly, who would have normally gotten a regular gout medication that anyone would get, right? Okay. But if we didn't do this test, she would have had a 25% chance of dying. And that's because she had a rare hypersensitivity where her skin basically burns, swells, and can eventually fall off. It's called Steven Johnson syndrome. So the actual utility of this is mind-blowing. And so imagine if your doctor had all this before they wrote a prescription, just imagine how much more trust the patient will have in the system, how much less side effects you may avoid just from knowing this information. And it's becoming readily available uh, within our healthcare system. It's just we don't know as a whole how to get this done. Yeah, you just made me think about something. You know, um, when someone goes for, uh, you know, a scan, like an uh, MRI scan or a CT scan, and if they're using mm-hmm. contrast, they'll, they'll look at the kidney function first to say, you know, should they mm-hmm. be taking this dye load? <laughs> so, right. Right. so so should we be checking? That, that that makes more sense to me. Yeah. I mean, you don't go to a physical and don't get your cholesterol checked or your blood pressure checked, right? So why not have all the pieces of your body assessed in clinic? So that way you have, you know, a permanent record that can tell people, hey, you shouldn't take this. Or maybe we should start with this and not what I usually prescribe because you just have a little bit of a different history. And that's Mm -hmm. something you don't you don't neglect. Right. If we had the tools, why not use it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So so how how is this uh, sort of working out right now? Um, It looks like you're looking at um, the different areas like Medicare, Medicaid, and tell us a little bit about that. How, how would that affect us, you know, uh, you know, as a country, if we could get this thing right? Oh, the, the truth is it's affecting us now. Um, it's mm-hmm. frankly being used across cancer spaces. It is mm-hmm. honestly been the backbone of cancer treatments. And so the mm-hmm. utility of this is quite widespread. One of the bigger uses we're seeing now are people who are suffering from anxiety and depression or other psych uh, disorders, um, there are huge uses there. There's also uses for pain management, um, substance abuse. There's uses for, uh, of course, I mentioned cancer, but there's also cardiovascular and uh, cholesterol or blood pressure effects too. So really the the clinical widespreadness of this information is is vast and wide and ever-growing. Um, so we're going to be seeing this really for years to come. And just so you know, a lot of health systems actually use this in the inpatient setting. So when it comes to, you know, warfarin or simvastatin or other types of uh, drugs and diseases, you know, frankly, it's it kind of a part of the inpatient uh, circle of hospital settings. And so the, the issue I'm seeing is we don't have as many people in the outpatient where people are who know about this. And so that's where there's a little bit of a gap. And healthcare's been looking at this for about 20, 30 years. We just have to do a little better, uh, I feel, in our healthcare system in communicating the importance of this. Okay. And and do, do the pharmaceutical companies use this information at all and when they're making a drug or, you know, trying to uh, create one? No. Um, so there are some drugs that do have what's called a pharmacogenomic or just a gene-related therapy or change based on that person. But this is is something that the FDA is actually starting to require uh, for certain manufacturers. Um, There are times where people make a drug and they find out later that, hey, 
we find that with this particular drug, and I'll give you a good example of this, um, Bristol-Myers Squibb, for instance, made a drug called Plavix or Clopidogrel. And it's a blood thinner. It it just keeps your blood, you know, kind of loose and not sticky. Um, And so they made this, you know, they actually made this about 10, 15 years ago, but it's been around. And they started marketing this drug to the people of Hawaii, right? And as you know, they they are generally... Mm -hmm. Uh, Pacific Islanders, people of Asian descent, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They have a higher population of that, right? Mm-hmm. So people were taking this in Hawaii, and unfortunately, some Hawaiians were getting sick. They were having reoccurring heart attacks. They were having strokes. Mm-hmm. They were potentially dying. And this was from taking a medication that they thought would be protecting their heart and keeping them safe, right? The truth is the manufacturer failed to tell the prescribers that this medication had a gene-related change that would tell their bodies that the drug just wouldn't work, period. And this is Mm -hmm. awful. And they proved in court that the manufacturers, and it was Bristol-Myers Squibb and Sanofi, failed to tell prescribers this information. And that means they were really after that check. They were getting millions of people on this drug and just getting that copay filled for that drug but they didn't tell doctors that, hey, people of Asian ancestry have a higher risk of not being able to have any effect from clopidogrel. And it's, a, you know, a range is around 13% of some people, and they're considered poor metabolizers, meaning they just can't break down the drug. And so in this case, if you can't break down the drug to its active form, mm-hmm. then you're not getting the drug, period. So thousands of people paid for this. And they were put in harm's way unnecessarily. So they found this year and settled a lawsuit for $827 million against the company because they found that they failed to tell people the importance of the gene testing in order for people to get this drug. So that's really wow. how serious this is and the impact that this has uh, for healthcare to come going forward. And pharmacists like myself with my company, Geriatrics, we're the ones leading the way and making sure people know about this so they have all the best info before starting their medication. Well, you know, is there a website people can go to to get that information from you um, or from from your uh, group? Because uh, this is something that uh, would be really useful, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I have my website, geriatrics.org, and it's G E R I A T. R X as an X-ray dot org. Just subscribe. Shoot me an email. Uh, my cell phone is on my website, so you can literally call me, text me, email me, and we'll get you set up with that test. The testing is straightforward. It gets shipped straight to your home. It's a simple cheek swab, so no needles, no blood draw, and I'm able to get a report of what your genes are saying against certain medications within two or three weeks. So it's mm-hmm. really, really straightforward. How much does it test about? How much does it cost? You know, for the average person. Yeah, so that's the beauty about this. About five, ten years ago, I wouldn't be able to say this, but it was <laughs> okay. much more expensive in the past. Now, um, the kit itself it can range anywhere from up to three hundred and fifty bucks. Uh-huh. But keep in mind, this is a lifelong value. Right. Not to mention that a lot of these labs that I partner with, they actually offer financial planning. So if you were interested or maybe you were uninsured and just wanted to get a a test checked anyway, you can apply for a patient assistance program, and they can get it lower for you based on your annual income. So it could be as low as zero bucks for some people, 
Mm-hmm. Some people could be as low as twenty five dollars. Um, but it depends on your income and your assets, and they're able to do a, a calculation to tell you how much you qualify for uh, to get your test. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, because <clears throat> I, I mean, yeah, yeah and it, even three hundred fifty dollars is not that much to pay to avoid being hospitalized because of some kind of uh, side effect, you know, <laughs> or correct, you know, correct, and, and the cal- care you'll need after that. So, so what, yeah. Uh, let me also add Medicaid, Medicare, and Tricare completely cover the kit. So that's also something you want to know, too, is insurance is starting to pay for it now. Private insurance, it, it may pay for it, but not as much. But Medicare, A&B, TRICARE, and Medicaid, uh, $0 co-pays for the actual kit. Wow. That's a, that's huge. <laughs> so yeah. so, if yeah. I, so for, for our veterans who are out there, this actually can be done uh, for, uh, for basically for free if they have TRICARE. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, there would be a consulting fee, you know, just for what okay. I have to do for explaining the test and talking with your doctor. Okay. But no, ultimately, yes, the kit is completely free. That's right. With those coverage insurances. Okay. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So, you know, you know, getting back to this thing, you know, I, I'm wondering, so what is the um, utility of it <clears throat> when we start looking at um, you know, right now, uh, one of the problems mm-hmm. we have, especially in communities of color, right, is not being part of clinical trials. So right. uh, yeah. that that's another uh, kind of thing, too, is that, you know, I guess mm-hmm. the relative risk would be higher for people uh, <clears throat> if, if that uh, basic cohort of people that they studied um, did not include or wasn't expansive enough to include, you know, um, Latinos or African Americans or Native mm-hmm. Americans, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you might be uh, just like the, uh, you know, the Native Hawaiians, right? <laughs> we, you know, right. they they may not have been in the original uh, studies that were done. Um, so, you know, how does that uh, sort of translate? Do you think we should be participating in more of these pharmaceutical trials? <clears throat> I absolutely do. Um, and, you know, I would have to say that this has been an ongoing concern, especially in our communities, is the hesitancy we see in being enrolled in clinical trials. And don't get me wrong, I'm not here to downplay the history that we have, the history that America has, and how they treat us <clears throat> as minorities in healthcare. But the way clinical decisions are made are from clinical trials. Point blank, period. So let me ask you, let's give a good example, right? Think about, you know, high blood pressure medication, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, when medicine was in the cusp of becoming better and more efficient, all we had in those trials were pretty much 80% white males. Right. And they were usually white males that had uh, higher income levels, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're using information from literally just rich white people, um, so think about that. So mm-hmm. if we're if that's how we treat healthcare, we're not going to get the best out of it. You know, we're just mm-hmm. not. That's just not going to work. Yeah. And a lot of our clinical decisions and information come from literally white clinical trial participants. Mm-hmm. So you cannot assume that whatever works for this white person from the 1970s is going to work for your Filipino or Latino or you know African American patient. It's just mm-hmm. it's inaccurate. It's old. It's outdated. And so in order for us to know what's the best medication for us as a people, we have to be in clinical trials. You can't make a decision if your trial is all white and you're trying to make a new therapy for black people, right? 
Yes. So the more black people in that trial, the more we can accurately say, hey, look, this work in this population of a couple thousand black people in Chicago, and we can roll this out now because we have real life data from real people that match who we're trying to treat. And that is honestly how we make medical decisions. That's how we make guidelines. That's how we drive therapy. And honestly, if we didn't have enough black people in these COVID vaccine trials, which we pushed to get, I wouldn't be as confident as I am now because I wouldn't be sold to say that it will help my people. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking when you were talking about how, um, you know, electrocardiograms or EKGs, you know, that um, Mm -hmm. monitor electrical activity in the heart, that uh, Mm -hmm. they were not really as applicable to women as they were to men because women were excluded from those earlier studies. So so as women started, you know, um, having heart attacks and all of a sudden now we're recognizing that's one of the leading causes of uh, death in women is heart disease. Uh, and that's, mm-hmm. so being involved in these studies is so critical. Um, and even yes. with the uh, chemotherapeutic agents for breast cancer, you know, a lot of uh, African-American women were not involved in those studies. And they were treat- mm-hmm. being treated with chemotherapeutic agents. And then they found out there was this thing called triple negative, And, you know, so, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it's really important for us to be involved in this so that we um, have, well, first of all, the advantage of, being in the trial because um, usually if you're in a clinical trial, uh, the, the other th- forms of standard therapy aren't working for you or you're in advanced stage of a disease. Uh, so we really need to, you know, start looking at being more involved in these. Um, right. Yeah. So so yeah. so what's on the what's on the horizon for this? Where, where do you see this going? Because now everyone is getting twenty three and Me and everything <laughs> everything else sure. is out there, uh, you know, for their genetic screens and. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you think this is going to become like standard practice um, when someone goes in to see their doctor? You know, maybe this is the first thing we do is get, get a screen to, to look mm-hmm. at, you know, uh, wh- where are you sitting uh, from the standpoint of your, um, you know, genes as far as receptors and all that and and how you handle medications? Yeah, yeah. You know, the future is, is looking very bright for the field of healthcare. And pharmacists like myself are really the ones helping lead the charge in this space of genetic testing. So it's been around. We've heard of 23andMe, but this is very different. This is specifically looking at Mm -hmm. your drugs. And so it looks at the top 200 drugs or genes that may be affected by uh, drugs that you may take. Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing in practice is that this is becoming more consistent more available and we're implementing models where pharmacists are able to work in physician offices and just strictly do genetic counseling and that's not the same level of expertise you may get from 23andme because this is a literal pharmacist who specializes in this Um, Mm -hmm. however what we're seeing more of is more availability cheaper co-pays more applicability and more accessibility and that's really crucial. Before, 10 years ago, this was a $10,000 test. Now we're talking about up to three fifty max. Um, so, frankly, this is going to be the new wave. And I'm here in North Carolina, but a lot of our major health systems use this. For instance, UNC, Duke, um, Atrium, Novant. I mean, honestly, we use it in some way, shape, or form to date. It's just the common public does not know that this is available. 
So, yeah, you'll, you'll hear things like 23andMe, but when you have a legit <laughs> pharmacist who specializes in this, you're going to have the best information at your fingertips. You're right. And then, you know, Ancestry.com and 23andMe, mm-hmm. there's so many things coming out. We have a, we're definitely in a new age um, with uh, gene, uh, you know, monitoring and, and uh, analysis. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you know, uh, what else do you think people should know um, about uh, their medications? So you were talking before about, you know, senior mm-hmm. citizens. What are some of the common problems you see with senior citizens? Uh, you know, you know, having okay. multiple medications and some they don't need, uh, but you may actually, uh, you know, uh, de-prescribe some medications, right, or take them off of them. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest myths I, I tend to get from my patients are, Oh, well, I thought I would have to be on this forever. And it's mm. it's kind of humbling because it's like, man, this is what I get paid to do. And this <laughs> is not the case all the time. Like, yo, you don't have to be on a medication forever. There are some where, yes, it will benefit you more to be on it, right? <laughs> but we cannot just assume that everything you're on just has to be the end-all, be-all of, of, of care. And so that's where I want people to kind of challenge their old way of thinking and when I work with my older patients particularly, they kind of just assume, well, I've been on it for this long, it ain't broken, it don't fix it, so it's cool. And it's not quite always the case, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. really not always the case. And that's something that I want people to understand, that it's it's, be- it's deeper than that. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say that people, unfortunately, when you're over 60 or 65, that group of people tend to be the most over-medicated, period, just point-blank, period. Mm-hmm. And so they're likely to have hospitalizations due to medical-related events. They're likely to have more sensitivity to side effects. They're likely to have changes in their body. That means they just respond completely differently than how they did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so when, when people think, hey, I've been on this forever, there's no need, I always ask you to just when you're in that next doctor's office, just ask open questions like, hey, man, do I really need this still? What do you think? What's the clinical mm-hmm. evidence say? Um, because you'll be surprised that there are many medications you no longer need. And if it's really not adding to a better quality of life for you, mm-hmm. then why keep paying a copay every month or three months for something that just isn't necessary anymore? You know? Right. So hey, medications yeah. have a, don't have a timeline. They, they have a timeline. You don't have to have them forever. Yeah, and then you're advocating for people to stop their medications. It's just that in consultation with their provider and with a yeah. you know uh, with someone who's a skilled pharmacist like yourself, or you know to, sure. to find out you know whether they really actually need it or not. And mm-hmm. you know, so you know, as people are getting older, also they'll take them for you know. Um, I remember going back and listening to someone. One of my um, old professors said. You know, uh, if you want to really make a lot of money, invent a disease, and then have something that doesn't cure it, <laughs> that <laughs> takes care of it. So, like foot powder, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, something uh-huh. that uh, you know, people toothpaste for you know, brushing <laughs> teeth, which I, I think mm-hmm. is, we need to do that and deodorant, and you know, so we we invent these things, and sure. uh, so you know, sometimes it's just to cover up a symptom. And if we had taken care of the origin of that symptom, you know, whether it's a dietary practice or something else, maybe we would need to be taking uh, these things over the counter con- continuously as well, or mm-hmm. you know, or de-stressed ourselves. So there are other, op- you know, other things that happen where people take medications, 
on a regular basis for things that aren't necessarily related to a medical diagnosis, but they're just going over the counter to say, you know, take this stuff. <laughs> uh, because they, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. It, so, it's, it's the bitter truth, but it's the reality. And, you know, it, it, you always, and this is something that I just, I'm trying to change with my profession, but you really always need a pharmacist in some way, shape or form. You really do. And so what we do with geriatrics is, apart from avoiding unnecessary meds, we actually work with people one-on-one, and we do a retainer service. So we give you that real customized care um, where you just have us on retainer, you know, for, for as long as you need. And because that's the level of care that's needed to beat this healthcare system. You know, it's broken. you got to wait how long to even see your provider. You need to see a specialist that's even longer, right? That's right. So we, we just try to be that advocate. And as you know, that the health disparities are real in this country, we at least double check you and your family so we can give you that peace of mind before you walk into the office on, you know, I'm sure of how this will go. Okay, that's thank what you. I love doing. Well, thank you, Dr. DeLon Canterbury. We ran out of time, but you are just a wealth of information. We have got to have you back on again, a board-certified sure. geriatric pharmacist who focuses on the special needs of older patients. Go to his yeah. website, geriatrics.org. Uh, G-E-R-I-A-T-R-I-C-S dot org and we will have you back on again and thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode and for more details visit americashg.org